Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 54. Dr. Melissa Mondala and Dr. Micah Yu on the effect of a whole food plant-based diet on their lives and careers. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, food for life cooking instructor, health and wellness coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. You can find more of my work, including health and wellness videos, at VeggieFitKids on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Thank you for joining me again on Veggie Doctor Radio. I just got done interviewing the most adorable power plant-based couple Dr. Melissa Mundala and Dr. Micah Yu. They are so adorable. They are so inspiring. And I'm really excited to see what they do in their careers. They have so much positive energy and they themselves are testaments of how a plant-based diet can really transform your life. You're really gonna love this episode. But before I talk about Dr. Mondala and Dr. Yu, I want to remind you about the Veggie Doctor Radio voicemail line. I've already had my first caller. I'm so excited. So please stay tuned to the end of the episode where I will answer the very first question from David. Thank you, David, for calling in and leaving a question. The number to call to get the voicemail and leave your question that I will answer on the podcast is 509-972-6582. Again, that is 509-972-6582. However, if you're shy about calling, you can also email me at veggiedoctor at veggiefitkids.com. Veggiedoctor at veggiefitkids.com. That's all written out. V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. So please don't be shy. Leave me questions. I love questions. And if I don't know the answer to the question, I will find out where to get the answer. But thank you so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate you guys. Another way that you can support me is to leave a rating and review and to give me feedback. Like I said in the previous episode, I'm going to be slowing down a little bit over the next few weeks because I'm trying really hard to focus on writing this manuscript. Why is it that whenever we have like this one thing we need to do, we suddenly think of all the other things that we have to do like right now, like reorganize a closet or, you know, start minimizing the kitchen 
So all of these things are distractions to me and I'm trying to keep myself focused so I can finish this manuscript, but I am learning so much and I've been reading through a lot of different journal articles and research and literature. And I am going to start using some of these things in the podcast too, because I've learned some really fascinating things that are helping me with the message that I'm giving in this book. And the book won't be out to the end of the year, but please sign on to my newsletter. You can go to veggiefitkids.com. You can find the link to my newsletter on Facebook or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of those places. And you will know when the book is out, you can get on my newsletter so you can be the very first to know and when it's time to pre-order the book. And like I said, stay tuned at the end of the episode after I say goodbye to Dr. Melissa and Dr. Micah, then I will answer the very first question. But let me tell you more about these amazing people. I love them. I hope I get to meet them in person this year. They're so cute and just so smart. And anyway, I do that. I, I fall in love with all of my guests because this is so much fun for me. I really enjoy doing this and it's such a pleasure. So Dr. Melissa Mondala is a Southern California native born and raised in the Los Angeles County. She completed her medical school at Chicago Medical School, the Rosalind Franklin University, and completed her family medicine residency at Loma Linda University. She has worked in China, Guam, and San Bernardino, California. She is a lifestyle medicine leader in her institution and nationally through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. She is passionate about treating the underlying cause of disease and teaching transformative healthy lifestyle behaviors for families and generations. And she is a firecracker. She has tons of energy. I can't wait for you to meet her on this episode. Her husband is Dr. Micah Yu, who is a board-certified internal medicine physician. He also went to Chicago Medical School at Rosalind Franklin University and is currently a rheumatology fellow. He has worked in China and Guam. He is passionate about lifestyle medicine and fighting autoimmune disease and arthritis. Dr. Yu has experienced the health benefits of plant-based nutrition and overcoming his own arthritis. And I can't wait for you to hear his story. It is, wow, it is just impactful. You guys will also fall in love with this couple and I hope that you follow them. You can find them at Dr. Lifestyle, that's D-R Lifestyle 101 on Instagram and Facebook. And they also will be launching a website here soon. So thank you guys for being here today. And now on to the episode. Broccoli. I am super excited to have on Veggie Doctor Radio, Dr. Melissa Mundala and her husband, Dr. Micah Yu. And we met on Instagram, right guys? Kind of first connected on there. Yes, that was great. Yeah. So I, I'm super excited to have you guys on here because you are a plant-based power couple, which is rare, but it's really, really nice to have because both of you guys have your own perspectives and different things that you like to focus on. But I just really want to start from the very beginning. How did you discover plant-based nutrition? Tell me about your journey. 
Yes, this is me. So Melissa, I'm just really actually really grateful to be on this podcast and just be able to speak to the community because it is something that I I can't keep to myself. It's really something that I I absolutely have to share because it really is life changing. It this really was the answer I was looking for. To be honest, from the very very beginning, I I went through my life. To, pursuing medicine and community and service and I, I really enjoyed um, helping people and it's simple as that but I really at the same time got burned out several times in this in this pursuit and I was looking for something that I can really connect with because I knew that there's so many chronic disease um, in our world and it, it keeps happening starting even younger and younger in generations and families and I wanted to know the root cause um, to be honest um, because I, I saw how medications were very temporary um, and there was side effects and they were still hospitalized and their quality of life really was very poor um, and they still lost connectivity with their families. Um, they didn't really have a sense of really living in purpose. And I and I felt that even for myself, to be honest, I, I went through a season of, I actually compared myself during that time when I was my high school weight to then when I actually started just going, gaining, gaining lots of weight from fast foods and frozen foods. And I was really sedentary. I didn't really want to walk anywhere um, and just studying, studying, studying. And then I just lost my interest um, in, in medicine almost. But at the same time, I found myself and I was able to take care of myself and really understand that, you know, uh, my lifestyle matters. I, I need to take care of myself. I need to get the right amount of sleep. I need to eat fruits and vegetables just the way my parents taught me. <laughs> um, and I and I need to see how that really affects my life because I did have a period of um, severe reflux, um, chronic constipation, and really mood. I was, I, I felt to the point where um, I wasn't as engaged um, in the things I loved. Um, so plant-based really gave me an opportunity to, to really see that and be able to grasp, okay, just simple things, fruits and vegetables can give me that sense of energy and creativity even in cooking. Um, so I, I really just gravitated to this because I that's exactly what I was looking for. Wow. And so you discovered it in the midst of your training, it sounds like, right? What So what level of your training were you whenever you started transitioning into a plant-based diet? Sure. So I would say I in residency, um, I I started at Loma Linda, and it's really a gift and a blessing to be there because I was able to see people who live it out around me, uh, and my my attendings, and I and I see how they're able to adopt this lifestyle. And we live in an Adventist community. I'm not Adventist myself, but to see how they 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 live to their 90s and 100s without medications and they're walking um, faster than some most people at that age and be able to see that myself uh, really gravitated me towards that discipline as, as lifestyle medicine. And so I was actually hunting for that because I really wanted to use that for my patients. And so I'm just grateful that there was a, a lifestyle medicine track at Loma Linda and they also started the lifestyle medicine fellowship over there. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, you mentioned two conditions which are so common that I think that people just take them for granted that there's just something that everybody's gonna have, which is constipation and reflux. I, I feel like we don't watch TV very often, but whenever we do watch like sports or something, 
I feel like most of the commercials are for medications for those things, you know, of course, you know, mm-hmm. we have an opioid epidemic, so there's even more people constipated, but um, the reflux, I mean, that's just the, the commercials are like, yes, have your greasy cheese and pepperoni pizza. Just take this medicine. It'll fix everything. So to, to be able to have the insight to be like, you know, this isn't normal and this isn't how I want to live what kind of control can I have over these symptoms, I think really is truly a a gift to have to be able to switch those. So now do you feel like you're free of those symptoms? Yes, absolutely. I I remember those times where I would eat um, foods from either certain restaurants or certain fast foods, and I would blow up like a balloon and and really have those reflux symptoms um, throughout my the evening and, and even with traveling. So now I am able to be pain-free. And even I forgot to mention, um, I had bouts of irritable bowel syndrome where it's constipation, measles over and over again. And it, it was, it really disrupted um, even me going to class or um, being able to uh, go out. So I think just being able to have this opportunity of plant-based nutrition, it stabilizes everything in the microbiome. It really, it makes me feel energetic. It makes me feel as if I, I don't have to worry about reflux or going to the bathroom. And it's just a greater way of living. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, I agree. I, I really, I love pooping and um, I love talking about poop. I'm a pediatrician, so that's fine. I talk about poop. <laughs> And, and that's part of my job description, basically. But I suffered from chronic constipation for over 30 years. And mm-hmm. I thought it was normal because, quote, everybody in my family had it, you know? And just a few days after transitioning to a mostly whole food plant-based diet, cured, cured. Now I don't have that problem. And I'm still to this day so grateful to be able to go to the yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I'm like making up time, you know? Like I have to like double and triple the amount so okay well Micah how about you tell me about your story so I actually have a personal testimonial um in how I got into plant-based nutrition and luckily Melissa got into lifestyle medicine so she she was able to introduce me to this field and plant-based nutrition so in order to tell you how I got started I have to bring you back about 17 years ago back in high school when I got on the Atkins diet when it all first started I was about 160 pounds. I was eating about 200 grams of protein, milk, steak, whatever I could get my hands on. And up in my senior year of high school, I overnight, I got a really bad, big toe pain. And my dad's a fighting medicine physician. He diagnosed me with gout. And my uric acid around the time was 13. So it was very, very high. So that's where it all started with my diseases with my rheumatologic diseases and then throughout the years I didn't watch my diet no one ever told me about diet in relationship to gout um, and other um, disease manifestations I had over the years so in college I lived a college life had some alcohol kept eating the steak and other various foods as well my father did tell me about turning down the protein which I did but I never ate more vegetables, more fruits. So throughout the years, my disease actually sort of evolved and I started getting pain in my TMJ, my wrist, 
my fingers, my tendons, and also I would get random swellings throughout my body, um, such as my foot and my hands as well. I would also get trigger finger, which is I wouldn't be able to bend my fingers in the mornings and throughout the day. And throughout medical school and college, sometimes I wouldn't even be able to go to class. I remember there was a two week period during college where I wouldn't be able to go to school at all because I was getting fevers, had severe TMJ pain and foot pain. Um, but, and I went to various doctors, no one ever told me about the relationship with diet and how my disease might be some other form of rheumatologic disease as well. So during medical school, I actually went to a couple of rheumatologists. They ran a bunch of autoimmune labs on me. Everything came back negative. However, my inflammatory markers, my C-reactive protein and my ESR were high. And I would have tendon pain, joint pain, swelling again in my uh, extremities and severe TMJ pain. I would get TMJ pain for sometimes for three weeks and I wouldn't be able to eat. The only thing I would be able to eat is yogurt because I couldn't even open my mouth and it was swollen, it was hot, but no one could figure me out over the years. So when I got to Loma Linda University, I saw the rheumatologist there and they were, they finally diagnosed me with something called peripheral spondyl arthritis, mm -hmm. uh, which is in the family of ankylosing spondylitis. It's just an autoimmune disease. And I also was luckily enough at the time my foot ballooned up. So they were able to draw some fluid from my foot as well. And what they found was that I had pseudogout as well on top of gout and peripheral spondyl arthritis. So I had three rheumatologic diseases going on at the same time. And during residency uh, early on, uh, before I saw the rheumatologist, before I had all these other diagnoses, I was in the ICU, I remember this, during my intern year. And I was limping to work for two weeks in a row. I could not lift my hip up. I had to lift my left leg with my own hands to get inside the car. And I would limp into the ICU and they would have a chair for me to sit during rounds because I couldn't really walk around too much. So it was a really painful time. I would take painkillers around three times every two weeks. I would get pain every month at least uh, and severe pain every two to three months. So it was a tough time. And during my last year of residency, uh, Melissa, luckily she found the field of lifestyle medicine uh, at Loma Linda. So during Thanksgiving, when she first introduced me to it, she started making these different types of foods with all plant-based foods. And I had no idea what was going on. I was like, where's the meat here? <laughs> I need some meat. And she told me how she went to the college, American College of Lifestyle Medicine conference. And she said, oh, it's all vegetables, all plant-based. I was like, what kind of food are you eating there? So fast forward to this May of 2018, we finally watched Forks Overnights together and What the Health on Netflix. And the testimonials that on that documentary were so powerful. So I was like, let's give this a shot. Let's see if this will work. So from May 2018, I went pretty much full plant-based and I was pretty much pain-free by July, during the July. And in August, I ran new labs on myself and my inflammatory marker, C-reactive protein, went <laughs> negative after seven years of being high. And my ESR was still a bit high, 
but it fell down a, quite a lot compared to what it was before. So it has completely changed my life. I've lost 20 pounds uh, from May to August, and I'm lower than my high school weight. I have more energy. I don't get much pain anymore unless I eat too much salt or sugar, but that's pretty much it. We're pretty much plant-based at home and outside as well. So it's been a complete blessing and complete disease reversal. Wow, that's amazing. Now, okay, I want to go back to the beginning of whenever you did the Atkins diet. Why did you do that? I did that because that was something that was popularized in media. That was the fad at the time. We have so many fad diets going on. And at that time, it was the Atkins diet. And it worked. I lost weight. I lost, I went from 160s to 130s on the Atkins diet. But then there was disease manifestations yeah. with this weight loss. So you, did so, it, you did it for weight loss. Exactly. And to be stronger as well. So, yeah, he, I remember he told me, he even showed me pictures of him. He wanted to join the football team and really bulk up too as well. And yeah. so that was his, um, also an, in one of his reasons. Well, that's what I was curious about because, you know, I do get teenage boys that come and that's, they want to bulk, you know, and so that they think that eating this protein, 200 grams of protein, I mean, that's like, I mean, that makes me sick just even thinking about it, you know, just trying to get that amount of animal product in every day. That would be a challenge, you know? So, okay. And then at what point in your journey did you decide to become a rheumatologist? Had this been before you started experiencing all these problems or was it because you had had this experience? It was because of all these experiences. I wanted to find, so during medical school, um, I learned about rheumatologic diseases and I learned that gout was part of one of the diseases that rheumatologists treat and the diseases in rheumatology are so complex and there's not a lot of answers in the field of rheumatology it's it's still an evolving field but we have much more medications these days so during medical school i found rheumatologic disease is one of the most challenging diseases to wrap your head around so at that point and i felt like i want to i understood my own pain my own arthritis and i want to treat patients that I can have a relationship with, I can connect with. And I felt that the field of rheumatology was that field. And I like clinic-based medicine. And now I, now I feel that rheumatology and plant-based nutrition is a perfect blend of fields together. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just so difficult to find plant-based rheumatologists or even rheumatologists that will start to consider the diet and lifestyle aspect, you know, maybe the lifestyle aspect, but not as much the diet. Uh, right. I feel like that's what I hear over and over from, from my patient's parents, which a lot of them already are having autoimmune diseases, telling me that their rheumatologist said, well, diet has nothing to do with this. You know, I, sh I don't need to change my diet because it, it, it's not going to affect this condition. I'm going to have it whether I eat this or, or not. So right. I feel like before you went to Loma Linda and became exposed to that world, did you feel like that's kind of what you were told too? That really, did anybody ever mention diet to you in all of these visits to doctors? No, no one ever mentioned diet to me. No one ever had a connection. In medical school, we barely get any training in nutrition. I would say five hours at most. And it'd be on, on diseases that you don't even see like scurvy these days. 
or protein deficiency. You don't see these diseases. They're not practical education. And when we're given education in medical school, it's not something that you can apply to in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it may not be factual mm-hmm. too. It may be giving the wrong information in medical school. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's just so fascinating. I, I, I am sorry that you had to go through that, but at the same time, I'm so grateful for your patience because you have so much empathy for how they feel because rheumatology in a way is a field of pain because there's so many people in pain. They have inflammation, different parts of their body and lots of joint pains and all kinds of different pains. So you experience that, you know exactly how a lot of your patients feel, which is really helpful for them too, that you can empathize with them. Right. So yeah, I feel like my disease has been a blessing um, more than um, something that I've something to be suffering from all these years it's helped my um, it's going to help my patients in the long run and I feel blessed about that absolutely well I'll definitely get back to rheumatology but I want to talk to Melissa a little bit so she doesn't feel left out (laughs) hi Melissa hi I'm here I I had to zip my mouth up because I'm so so excited I I I, this was um, an unexpected surprise to have um, my club really embraced lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition. Um, I thought it would take a decade, <laughs> um, but to see that the evidence is really there and it's a vast amount of evidence in every field and, and to see that it worked for populations and to see that it, it works in my, I, I have seen my patients, inpatient, outpatient, and I, I really didn't think it would really take um, some, a few documentaries and a few um, studies. And I think that's the potential that we have of really educating um, the, our world and educating health professionals as well. It really is, a, 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 we have these tools that we can really share. And, and so I'm just glad to hear that he told all, all of this and really can share this with you. Yeah, that's really cool. And I wanna point out too, because listeners may not know what your ethnic background. So Melissa, you're Filipina. And Micah, you're Chinese? Yes. So, you know, one of the things too is culturally, it can be difficult transitioning to a plant-based diet. I grew up with a lot of Filipino friends and I still have some. And so I know how delicious that food is. And it has a lot of meat. food. Oh my God, so delicious. So how has it been for you guys transitioning as far as like family and culture and the, and the traditions and rituals that you guys have. Yeah, yeah, you hit it spot on. It It is not easy to go to these family gatherings and birthday parties and see about 99% uh, is just heavy in animal products and meat. And, and then I, there's really maybe water and just, it's just, and I think to be able to, to bring that, it, it was it's really interesting because we had to prepare ourselves we we didn't realize we had to eat before these gatherings and we had to we had to um say no to a lot of people and like, get some strange looks but it, we used it as really an opportunity to share our journey because they knew we were huge carnivores we loved food we were big foodies we ate out all the time we lived in chicago for our medical school training so we 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 hit up all the restaurants tried the barbecues um so we love the mac and cheese but to see that we chose another lifestyle was actually spoke a lot um, for our family and so 
actually come from my, my family. So my father, he, he he was kind of the black sheep of the family too, because he, we gave up microwaves like 10 years ago. We ate brown rice, uh, even though we were Filipino, um, we gave up pork and red meat. So we had a lot of vegetables and fruits in our household because he actually had psoriasis um, mm. in his mid thirties and really, it was really stress induced and um, lifestyle induced. Um, so he made those changes um, because it really uh, came to a point where he, it really took over where he, he actually had to pause and stop working and, and because of this diagnosis. So I, I really saw in his own life too, how he, when he shifted his lifestyle to more nutritious foods, how he got his life back mm-hmm. um, and, and a different perspective on health. Um, so, cause I, I saw how, you know, topical steroids and steroids and steroids, just, it really just suppresses the, the flares and it really didn't prevent him from breakouts. Um, so um, that, that was actually the beginning of my health journey, um, being able to really cut out processed foods and processed sugars, high salt. And so, in my in my immediate home, it was it wasn't too bad, but I definitely when we are with family and friends, um, it is it, it is a challenge. Um, and Micah probably could attest to that when we go travel to Hong Kong and oh my and gosh, when we went to Hong Kong, it was just all seafood on the table. The, the Chinese people in Hong Kong they're very big on seafood. So when we go there, we ask, can we just get vegetables on the table just for us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people look at us funny. Why would you just want to eat vegetables? Um, but yeah, he's actually happier because there was a point where we went to Hong Kong when we ate everything. And then he went, we went to Hong Kong when we were plant-based. When we, we ate everything, he, I just remember, sadly, he, we would have to end the night early because he would just be... Um, I would be flaring. Flaring. It was limping. April this past year. I was flaring. We couldn't walk anymore. Um, but we went again in Hong Kong this December, uh, now that we're plant-based and I had no flares, no joint pains whatsoever. It was a miracle. Wow. And, and I, I am a coaching, I, I coach too. I'm a health and wellness coach. And when I'm coaching my clients, whenever, you know, we make these behavior changes and lifestyle changes, it, it's helpful to anchor those those experiences to be able to go back and remember, okay, there was a time when I did this and this happened. And there was a time that I did this and this happened, which choice do I want to make now? So it doesn't have to feel like it has any guilt or shame or anything. You're always the one making your own decisions. There's nobody controlling you, but do you want to be limping around and in pain and have swollen joints? Or do you want to feel good and be able to go walk around the next day and hang out with your friends? So that's so powerful to be able to compare those experiences directly one-to-one, you know? Right. All right. So Melissa, I want to ask you a little bit more about lifestyle medicine because you will soon be a board certified lifestyle medicine physician. So excited. So what does, what is lifestyle medicine and what kind of patients do you see in this field? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that question. So lifestyle medicine is really a clinical discipline that is evidence-based based on, in simple terms, I always explain this to my patients, what we eat, um, how we move, 
and how we actually connect with our world and our relationships, how our sleep is, and lastly, how we actually have a relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's all of that are the roots of health. And can when one is lacking, um, we and actually can manifest in disease. So I really um, focus on that. I really like to simplify with my patients and these patients are usually um, in different realms so there's a lifestyle medicine clinic where I work and it's very so I've seen patients from anywhere from 18 to 85 and even at 83 they're actually curious and wanting to know you know what I want to make some changes because um, I'm sick and tired of taking all these medications and I just want to be able to to actually understand how I can eat better. And you know, that it's never too late or too early, which is um, a really beautiful thing. Um, I have patients with multiple cardiac um, issues with multiple stents, um, hypertension, diabetes, end-stage renal disease. That's the end stage, or they can be right in the middle and they can be absolutely just maybe some a few risk factors. So hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, and then others range from uh, 18, just really curious, healthy, healthy, um, students, because I also work with students as well um, in student health clinic, and they're there, and they're just curious, you know, um, why do I have these acne issues or IBS issues, or um, what can I do to elevate my health and really be able to live longer? And it just excites me because I, in these in the student health world, they're actually, I would say, at least. Um, a handful of people who are seeking out um, plant-based nutrition and and who actually are interested in starting very early. So I really, um, multiple generations is are, are what I've seen in lifestyle medicine. And then I also work in acute rehab. So this is a very um, dear to my heart um, field where patients just experience stroke. Um, and so they are paralyzed, they're, they're they don't, their speech is delayed in terms of they can't actually say the, the words they want to say, um, they can't swallow. And so um, these are the patients that I see and, and they range too. I've seen um, sadly as young as 20s and 30s, um, all the way to 80s, um, people with stroke. And, and this is where we have a chance to really show them um, the connectivity. Why did they get a stroke? Unfortunately, a lot of, um, a lot of physicians, healthcare providers don't um, have the opportunity or the time to explain um, that your lifestyle, that um, what you eat on a daily basis, um, that standard American diet of um, fatty foods and animal products actually manifests in disease or even that their hypertension led to a stroke. Um, so I think th- this is a, a key opportunity where they actually are looking for answers. Their life is completely changed um, where they they may not think they have a, a bright future um, and, and even a shortened lifespan. Uh, however, we're able to talk about how we how we can actually um, increase their health by moving more um, and motivating them to actually change and shift their diet. So I, I think it's a really powerful way of how we can address disease now. Um, and there's really no limit. So I, I Every system is involved, you know, um, gastroenterology, rheumatology, cardiology, um, and uh, neurology. Every every field is um, is at um, a point where they can embrace lifestyle medicine. So um, that's uh, really a passion of mine to be able to actually allow um, all systems to 
to be involved because lifestyle is really the root and the and the umbrella around health. Um, so um, I, that's what we do on a daily basis. And I love, I really love my job. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can tell. No, I can hear the passion just pouring out of you. That's so cool how you get to do all kinds of things. You get to work from adolescence, you know, in, in college all the way to the elderly and stroke patients. That is really a big variety. I heard on a uh, TED talk uh, this week that millennials are the most well-informed generation that we have so far. And I think it is true that they are thinking very carefully about what choices they want to make because they have access to so much information. So this is a really good time to be out there educating and telling people and giving testimonials and telling them about how our patients are living healthier, longer lives. So that's really beautiful. What is your very favorite type of patient? What's like your very favorite condition to treat or to uh, get in clinic? Ooh, oh, that's a very, very great question. I, you know, I really like the bread and butter, like the simple meaning someone with hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, obese, um, some may even some kidney, they can even have stage two or stage three kidney failure. Um, and, but all of that is really tied together because I've seen reversal of those disease where they're able to transition to a whole food plant-based diet and they have drops of A1C from 12 to about 10 then to five and I've seen it over a period of three six months and then and sugars also dramatically improve um so it, it's just transforming and then I also see blood pressure so when it just treats everything so blood pressures drop tremendously 50 um points even um just in a matter of weeks and so um, I really like to see that progress and I think uh, the patients love it too because they can see um, it's very simple vital signs like their vital signs, blood pressure, their weight and their home blood sugars and they can see how these things change over time and and what the, all the because they tried it all, you know, they, they tried the, the medications, they tried some walking, they, they tried to eat healthier in their mind but they, they haven't had the opportunity to actually use fruits and vegetables and legumes and whole grains as their medicine. And so when they're able to get these, um, get these ideas and how, okay, well, I can actually prepare these simple meals, affordable meals, and be able to have these tools um, and partner up with us in the clinic, it's really powerful. And then by that time, we can actually remove medications. And that's my favorite thing to do, is just remove medications and bring their life back into a perspective where, um, because at the end of the day, they, the reason what motivates a lot of these patients is be, because they want to live longer and be, have memories with their children and be able to um, see their daughter walk down their aisle. Um, so all these things are very visual uh, for these patients and really connecting their motivation to um, their changes in their behavior is really what, what I love. Um, and then really seeing it as a really... Uh, emotional spiritual journey for them because there is a lot of um unfortunately pain um in these unhealthy uh, lifestyles there's a lot of trauma um and even childhood events that really sparked um 
unhealthy ways of thinking about themselves where they really think a lot of ugly thoughts, um, a lot of things that really um, suppress um, their ways of being able to move forward in their life. Um, so I really see that in my clinic on a daily basis, how their negative behaviors um, are actually start really early. And but when we are able to address them and really um, face them uh, together, um, I see how there's joy that comes back and they, they're able to connect with their family more. And, and that's what I love because it's not just a plant-based diet and nutrition, but they're actually being able to um, find um, a, a fuller meaning in life. Um, and all of that together is the best package. Um, and, and, and I see it and, and I really, uh, see how they gravitate it um, even in, and don't want to stop. So that's what makes it really enjoyable is that they, they keep going and they keep pressing and, and, and even though they're setbacks, um, they, they try again. Um, but now they have partners and tools and, and that's um, the great success I see. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. And, and, you know, what really stands out there is that sensation of empowerment that you give them, especially once you start dropping some of the medications and you are able to have them see that they did this, their choices led to being able to get them off some of their medications. That's very empowering. And that gives them the self-efficacy to keep going and keep trying, even like you said, when there are setbacks. No, but I, I kind of chuckled a little bit whenever you're just like, Oh, you know, the bread and butter, heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, <laughs> failure. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just a primary care pediatrician. <laughs> the bread and butter is like, it seems so sick to me, but that's, that is the standard, isn't it? Yeah. We have a lot of people in the United States that are suffering from these diseases that it just seems like just the normal day-to-day thing. And uh, I'm so, so grateful that you're out there helping people like this. All right. Well, I want to take it back to Micah, Dr. Yu. Let's talk a little bit about rheumatology because like you said before, I think that this is a fascinating field and I'm hoping, you know, over the next few years, we're going to be able to see even more the connection between diet and lifestyle and some of these conditions. But what condition have you seen um, so far in your training that has the quickest response to diet and lifestyle? So far in my training, I've seen probably rheumatoid arthritis having the quickest response to uh, lifestyle medicine changes in a whole food plant-based diet. I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, my, one of my patients, a younger patient with rheumatoid arthritis, she 
has had rheumatoid arthritis for many years now, um, bone on bone on her joints. And I put her on a whole food plant-based diet a couple months ago. And in a three month span, she was able to increase her walking time for over an hour, feel less pain, went from a couple of painkillers a day to only one or two a week in a three month span. Wow. And I've seen other changes in my patients as well. They give up dairy, just dairy alone, and they always see changes in their lupus already as well. And I tell them, you know, you've always seen these changes already, and you can do so much better if you go complete whole food plant-based diet. You'll see, you can might even see complete resolution in your symptoms, and I even might be able to take your medications away in the future. So that's the big excitement to me is giving them hope that they're medication can be given away because a lot of rheumatologists they continue these medications for many years never counsel about diet and a lot of rheumatology diseases can increase your risk of cancer infection and these diseases can also manifest itself into other autoimmune diseases as well you can have multiple autoimmune diseases i, I see patients with lupus and rheumatoid together along with Shrogan and other diseases as well so I tell them if you're going to continue the way you live and eat the way you do, you, you may stay on these medications forever and, and you might even be resistant to them in the future and you might get heart attacks and cancer from these medications. But if you change to a whole food plant-based diet and exercise more, sleep better, stress less, you may be able to come off these medications and live a fuller life without medications and be pain-free and rash-free and all these other autoimmune disease manifestations. So a lot of autoimmune diseases can be put into remission with a whole food plant-based diet, but you have to be compliant with it and you have to work on other parts of your life, life as well. You have to exercise as well. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you, you know, some of these patients that you're seeing obviously have had disease for years and nobody's ever told them this before. So whenever you say this to them, how do they react? Right. So some of them say, how come no one's ever told me this, that diet can affect my disease? How come my primary care doctor or my rheumatologist never told me this? They just put me on these medications over the years and they keep trying different medications, but no one's ever addressed this. Well, I, told, I tell them, you know, in medical school, our nutrition education is lacking. It's no fault of the of the physician. Uh, it's the way the medical practice has been run over the years. And I tell them, you're, you're, you're lucky to be here because I, 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 my wife is a lifestyle medicine specialist. I'm a rheumatologist. So you're sort of getting a two in one package here. So I tell them, you, you should watch Forks Over Knives, watch What the Health, and go to nutritionfacts.org and go to all these different resources. And my goal is on the first visit is to expose them to all these different resources and tell them at least try it out. And then my second visit and third visit is to make small changes and get to the point where they can be completely whole food plant-based. And I tell them other testimonies of myself and other patients as well that this is possible. This is not pseudoscience. This is real. And this is an emerging field of medicine. Yeah. And then about what percent of patients that you recommend that to do you feel that they're actually go out and they start trying it. Okay, so the ones that actually start trying it would be well, the ones that are that are pretty 
good on our whole food plant base going after the first visit, I would say maybe 10% at most. Mm. But the, that the ones that open their minds up and are willing to try it, I would say at least 75 or 80% that are willing and are willing to listen and watch the resources that I give them. So no one, it's going to be hard to get someone to that's a complete carnivore to give up their meat complete and dairy and animal products to a whole food plant-based diet in the span of one visit. But the goal is to keep trying, keep exposing them and keep encouraging them to, so that one day when they do see changes, they want to go the full length. Yeah. So at least planting the seed and watering it every time. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's how I am too. I'm not super pushy, but I love those opportunities where I can see that there's a clear link between what one of my patients is eating and my patients are all children and some of their diseases. You know, I do have a few of my the kids in my practice that have inflammatory bowel disease and um, there's a clear link. And I think the belief is one thing. So maybe they can get to the point that, okay, I do believe that there's an association with what I'm eating and my disease. But then the next step is now I'm willing to take that next step and change what I'm eating or how I'm living. And, and that one can be a lot harder for some people. And especially we're talking about culture and family and how they're eating inside the household. And, and it can get really complicated, especially when you have kids, because you got to address the parents too, the parents' choices. So that's you great. have a lot more to deal with, with parents and kids at the yeah. same time. But I think the good thing is, is that parents, most parents really are wanting to do whatever they can to help their children, especially if they have children that are starting to have some of these more serious chronic diseases. They really do want to help their kids. They love their kids. And so that that's an advantage on my side. And then once the parents are the ones, if, especially if the kids are small, they're the ones that are doing all the shopping and all the food getting. Once the kids get teenage and beyond, they have a lot less control. But for the little kids, you have a little, a little bit more control. Okay, great. I think all of that sounds wonderful. I want to ask for both of you guys can respond to this. What do you think um, is the most underappreciated lifestyle habit? Hmm. Yes, yes. I... So it goes back and forth for me. I, I think water actually is very, very, very important. It's the hardest habit to, for me personally, to actually incorporate in my lifestyle, especially when you're constantly on the go and you don't always have your bottle with you uh, full of water. But it's so important because it really prevents not just dehydration, but headaches and fatigue. And, and there's just so it's so simple, but it really is um, really important. So two liters um, a day, and I always have to like show I, um, my, my college students or um, some of my patients and give them that visual. And I have to remind myself, yes, I need this much because that's probably why I'm craving salt or sugar. It's probably because I'm just thirsty. Um, I just didn't drink enough that day. And sometimes we feel like we're super, super hungry, but we realize we actually just need water. Um, and so incorporating that um, into our lifestyle is really important. And I always like to remind patients, I, I kind of use water as even an experience that people have with wine. Um, so people just sip their wine and they, they take their time and really appreciate it. And really when you when I feel as with water, some people think it's a very simple beverage, but really there's 
um, um, a, a really refreshing moment when you can drink water. So I just say, take your time with water throughout the entire day. Start from the, the moment you wake up um, and use that water. Go to it during your breaks and make time for your water. Um, sit there um, with your friends and enjoy enjoy the water. So I, I really try to bring a close relationship with water um, because we have a really close relationship with food. Um, it gives a lot of pleasure but water in its simplicity um, may not give that pleasure so i i really think water is key yeah that's wonderful and i live in a high desert in yakima washington so it's a very dry climate here and it's something that i have to talk about all the time because it really manifests in the skin and dry skin and one thing that people don't know i mean we talk about water and hydration and appetite you know how it can sometimes we might be confused but one thing that a lot of people don't know is that mild dehydration actually affects us cognitively. So it makes us feel sluggish. We can't concentrate as well. It makes us feel tired. So staying hydrated is very good for energy as well. And for people that are concerned about chronic disease decades down the road, it decreases our risk of kidney stones. We don't wanna have those. That would be very painful. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. How about you, Micah? What do you think? I think uh, exercise is the one of the most underappreciated lifestyle factors. Life, exercise can wake up the body, it can decrease weight, and it can make the joints feel better. But, uh, but when you have a lot of pain, you don't wanna move and joints get stiffer. And so I tell my patients, you have to move, you have to get the weight off you. It, a, a whole food plant-based diet can, is half the equation, but exercise and is, the next part of the equation as well. If you put these two together, you will see a much greater response in, in your lifestyle changes. So I feel like exercise is one of the most underappreciated lifestyle factors. And what is y'all's favorite way to exercise? Ooh, <laughs> so it depends. Um, so we have a, a dog. Um, he's he's probably still in puppy age and he is a half terrier, half poodle, full of energy and always out of walking and outrunning us. So we will um, do laps uh, and just run and run. We love the outdoors. So we love running, we love hiking. Um, and then even um, gym classes. So we just recently joined a spin class and I really like the spin classes because it's interval training, resistance training and cardio training. And so that was a new new for us. I, I, I've done biking, but just being able to be in a group setting with all the, the pump, the pumping music um, really got us excited. But even, uh, I think even just walks, we make time where we can just walk um, at least 15 minutes in our daily life. Um, and that's actually time where we can just um, unwind right. and decompress. Um, so we, we love walking too. Yeah, I mean, we have a dog, so we have to at least walk. And sometimes we get late home in the day. We don't, there isn't much time to do a complete exercise. So we do spend time walking, which is underappreciated part of exercise and it is necessary every day. Nice. Well, uh, Melissa, I saw a picture of you on the spin bike on Instagram. I thought it was so cute, but I have to tell you, I don't know if you've heard of a Peloton before. Have you guys heard of Pelotons? No. I've, heard, I've been hearing the ads about it, but I haven't looked into it. So yeah, I'm a Pelo addict as we call ourselves. So sometime in the future, maybe as a gift to both of you guys, when you finish your uh, board certifications, fellowships, and everything, look into getting a Peloton because you will be addicted as well. And it's nice because you have it in your house and you can use it anytime you want. And it is amazing. 
My handle is Veggie Doctor. So anybody out there that has a Peloton, follow me. I'll follow you. It's really fun. Right? No, I I love exercise. I love it. It it may it brings me joy. I exercise to be happy, and that's what I also talk to my clients about because we have this relationship with exercise in the United States. Exercise is just punishment for eating cupcakes or excuse to eat donuts or something like that. You know, people are like, oh, I need to burn off calories, whatever. But exercise is so much more than that. Exercise is joy. I mean, it just makes you feel so good. It gives you energy, just like Michael was saying. And I can't live without it. If I go a few days without exercising, I actually start to get pain. I start to feel stiff and everything crunches and cracks. And it's just really nice to be able to keep all those joints lubricated and just feel like you can just bounce around and have a smile on your face. So thank you for bringing that up. All right, when I wanna talk about a couple of areas you had mentioned, Micah, is sugar and salt. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about was gluten and grains, because Mm -hmm. I know that there has been varying opinions and maybe controversies about whether that's something to be concerned about or not. But from a rheumatologic standpoint, and even from a personal standpoint, you've noticed that even eating plant foods, if you start to get too much into the sugar and salt, you may start having some pain. So tell me more about that. Yeah, so sugar from fruits is excellent. That, that, doesn't, that does not cause me pain. Uh, what the sugar is, is from refined sugar. If I eat too much sweets, um, other foods, that are high in salt when we go out to a restaurant sometimes they over salt the foods so those when i eat too much of those those cause me joint pains and they make my tendons hurt as well so when i've noticed when i cut back on those i feel much better and the sugar it alters the gut microbiome and gut microbiome plays a huge role in immunology and rheumatologic diseases which i emphasize to my patients as well and so the salt there is a link with salt to autoimmunity, there's a New England Journal of Medicine article that talks about the pathophysiology of how salt, high salt, can um, make autoimmune disease worse and cause inflammation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Salt is okay by itself, but if you make, if you eat a lot of high salt foods, that will cause inflammation. So when we eat food, we salt to taste. We don't add extra salt to make it much more flavorful. And what about grains and gluten? What's your opinion on that? And have you seen any associations there with some rheumatologic conditions? So from my standpoint, I haven't seen much of a connection with gluten and autoimmune disease yet, but that's not to say that there is no connection at all. Some patients might have gluten sensitivity and it might cause, they have autoimmune disease as well. So it can make the autoimmune disease worse. Um, but I don't think this is proven in literature just yet. And whole grains itself, I have some patients do have allergies to different types of whole grains like legumes. So I tell them, you don't, if you're allergic to it, don't eat it. There's other whole foods as well out there. We just have to find the right combination of foods for it. So every individual is different. Mm-hmm. And I start every individual as a whole food plant-based diet. And then I do an elimination diet from there to figure out what is causing the root problem here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. And I agree. I feel like, and I, I tell my patients and my clients, as humans, we can develop allergies or sensitivities to anything we consume. So there's no, you know, but there's some that are some foods that are going to be higher likelihood of potentially causing sensitivities 
and allergies. And then there's foods that are just flat out inflammatory, you know? Right. And so it's not necessarily a sensitivity. It's, it's causing inflammation in your body. And so um, I think that's why starting with whole food plant-based and then working from there to kind of tweak and see what else needs to be changed is, is a good place to start. That's perfect. All right. So if listeners could focus on just one thing after listening to today's podcast, what would you recommend them starting with? And this is from both of you guys. Why don't you start first, Melissa? Yes, yes. I, so one of the things that I routinely just bring to the patients is the opportunity to just pick their favorite fruit or pick their favorite vegetable and or their beans and just try to see how you can eat that daily or even increase the amount. Sadly, there's the average American only eats zero to one fruit a day or zero to one vegetable a day. We are nutrition deprived, unfortunately, through many, many years. And so we have um, a lot of catching up to do. So I always say you can never overeat on fruits and vegetables and legumes and grains. So I say, be creative, go out there, just try it out. Um, and maybe at home you can make, um, go and make something. So we're actually doing a 52 plant-based challenge uh, on Instagram right now. And it really just sparked out of this where we, we just want to inspire people to incorporate that in their home cooking, um, be able to add a fruit or, or a vegetable and be able to cook at least one meal a week. Um, so, and I think that's very uh, possible and tangible because uh, now they're actually finding a recipe that they may enjoy and be able to use that more often. So I think that's a pretty exciting thing. And we're trying to do this at least once a week for a 52 weeks. So it's a 52 week plant-based challenge. Right. Nice. And also it's a way to dive into other cultures and different foods that um, those cultures may incorporate and that you never discover. So it's a very exciting way to try all different of all different whole food plant-based um, recipes out there. Um, oh, that's great. Now, and I was just, uh, I, sorry that I started a little bit late with you guys, but I, I was telling Melissa and Micah that this morning I was teaching my youngest son how to make oatmeal. And I decided my sons are nine and 13 that I need to be deliberate about teaching them how to cook. And they're very healthy whole foods, plant-based eaters. They're, they're very uh, proud to be vegan. And so um, I just want them to learn the skills. So it's never too late to start. If a nine and a 13 year old can learn some basic skills to make themselves some meals, anybody can do it. So don't be intimidated and definitely follow um, Dr. Mandala and Dr. Yu on Instagram at the end. We'll give you guys um, all of their links so that you can follow them. Okay, Micah, how about you? What do you think if people could just do one thing? Just one thing I would say is to cut out the processed food. I think that's one of the hugest inflammatory um, uh, foods out there, uh, more so than meat. I think processed food is one of the root causes of autoimmune diseases. And I would say to basically replace your the processed food with fruits, Eat as much fruit as you can, as you want. Don't cut on it. Uh, a lot of a lot of patients think that fruits are causing them diabetes and making the diabetes worse. I say no, it doesn't cause make your diabetes. It didn't, it didn't give you diabetes. And some physicians still tell their patients this. I tell them when you eat a whole fruit, you get the fiber, you get the phytonutrients, and these work synergistically to curb 
your diabetes and it and I tell them to not drink fruit juice itself. If you're going to drink fruit juice, blend it at home. Don't buy it from the store because that's all pretty much sugar. You don't get fiber in it. Mm-hmm. And fiber can help, help help fight some of the all the sugar um, content in the fruit itself with the fiber nutrients. They all work together. That's why you take the whole fruit and cut out the processed sugar out in the market. That's one of the drivers, key drivers of inflammation. Yeah, I agree. So just getting to the whole foods, if that's the only thing you can do, cut out the processed foods, get to the whole foods. And yeah, it's true. We have fruit phobia in the United States. And I think it's because we are on this low carb, keto kick thing. Nobody wants to eat any fruit. Everybody's afraid of fruit, but it's one of the best sources of antioxidants. And definitely we have a fiber deficiency and fiber is so powerful to decrease our risk of disease. We have to get that fiber in from foods, not from gummy bears, people. Please stop (laughs) buying fiber gummies. Just eat it in your food. (laughs) Okay, Melissa and Micah, what personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? Okay, let's. So, this actually, the personal habit had what came almost like cold turkey, meaning when I turned whole food plant based, I we had to really take away a lot of foods from our pantry and our fridge and do a whole makeover. So, in terms of a new habit out of that, um, evolved being able to really cook more often. So, I, I've learned to cook um, other traditional Filipino foods that were more animal um, based. Um, so now we really cook at least two to three times a, a week. Um, and, and we really enjoy it. We enjoy going to the groceries. We enjoy getting these recipes or creating our own recipes. So this has become our lifestyle. It, 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 it's not something we really have to think about anymore. We don't have to really think, oh my goodness, I have to prep my food. I have, I, I don't know where to begin. I, I, I don't know how to substitute um, eggs or or a meats, but now I know like it's it's pretty simple. I can just use flax seeds. I can use tofu. I can um, I can use my my tools as a food processor or um, Vitamix. All these things um, in our kitchen have become very valuable. So now we're just it's a routine, and and so um, we eat out less, um, and 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 really appreciate being able to have the experience of cooking um, our meals, which is our medicine um, for us. Right. So yeah, I, I think cooking um, has been a big change for us. We cook more at home, cleaner. We use less oil now. Uh, no animal products so it's and it's fun finding ways to veganize all the food you've been eating in the past and one of the coolest things that we've done is we've been putting all our uh, grains and our spices all in mason jars which is it makes our pantry look so cool and clean when we do that (laughs) yeah that was his idea not mine Uh, he like made it super neat with pretty labels and just it looks so so beautiful and so I so I enjoy just getting all these different spices together and I, I'm, I'm just glad that together as a couple um, we were able to support each other and do this right oh that's so wonderful I definitely want to come over and eat at y'all's house that sounds good. <laughs> you're welcome cooking come is over. fun you know I I love cooking and I feel like almost when you've been whole food plant-based for a while it's disappointing to go to restaurants 
because not only do they not have very many choices, but it's like ridiculously expensive. So you can save so much money eating at home, but then you can make things the way you want them. Like last night, I actually made El Salvadorian pupusas with a black bean plantain filling mm. and cashew cream and a homemade slaw. And I'm telling you, we ate the whole thing. Me, My older son is a teenager, so he eats like three times the amount of the rest of us. But um, it's just it was just so satisfying. And there's no way I could have gotten that at a restaurant close to here, you know, and, and it wasn't it wasn't difficult to make. So there's so much to explore, so much excitement and fun and deliciousness and health, so much health in these foods. So that is beautiful. All right. Well, did Micah, did you have another habit you wanted to talk about or was cooking the same one for you? Cooking was one, but to our professional career, I, a new habit we've done is research uh, nutrition mm. articles and uh, diving into the nutritional science behind the foods. I think that's one aspect of our career that has changed. We dig daily, weekly on new research and to support what we're doing for the whole food plant-based community and for our patients but ourselves. So that has been one big change uh, to our personal care that I really appreciate. And it's what I've been seeking all these years. Medical school never provided nutritional education. And I, I crave that, but no, there was, I didn't know where the resources to go to. So now we're in this whole food plant-based community, this lifestyle medicine community. And now we have the resources and we just need to keep advancing the field of lifestyle medicine. It's, I believe it's probably one of the most important specialties we have now and it's merging and it connects to all fields of medicine and it's the only field that gives you hope gives your patients hope to take away medications yeah. all the other fields are over prescribing medications mm -hmm. uh, but they don't under address the underlying issue yeah addressing the root causes doing the upstream medicine i mean it's just so important so valuable so thank you both so much for what you're doing i'm so grateful that you're out there so we need to wrap it up. Although I really feel like I could talk to you guys forever yes. and hopefully <laughs> each other at a conference, maybe later on this year in the fall. But can you tell me where listeners can connect with you guys so that they can learn from you? Right. So we're on Instagram. We're pretty active on Instagram. Our handle is Dr. Lifestyle 101. And uh, we also have a Facebook page by the same handle, Dr. Lifestyle 101. And we will be launching our website in a couple of weeks at drlifestyle.org. Okay, perfect. And actually this podcast will probably air after your website's launch. So we'll make sure we put all of the links there. And I'm so excited for both of you and your careers and what you're doing. Thank you so much for being on Veggie Doctor Radio today. We look forward to you, meeting you as well. And thank you so much for having us on the show. Thank you, Dr. Yami. You've been wonderful and such an inspiration. And thank you for really speaking out to the community at such a young age and really teaching um, them how to live this transforming lifestyle. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, guys. And I hope that you both have a very plantastic day. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like many trees. When you're having dinner with me, broccoli. In social situations, particularly when traveling, what are two to three items I either carry with me? or say to my child in order to keep them in line 
to keep them on a healthy path in these social and travel situations? Well, David, I think that's a fantastic question because it's true, right? We go on vacation and everybody knows this. Your diet completely changes. You come back feeling bloated and swollen and your stomach hurts and your digestive system is all messed up. And it seems like that happens to everybody because we get out of our routine and our habits. I feel like my family and I, we have so much experience now that I actually had to sit down and think about this. I've talked about it before, but I really wanted to put some thought into your question. And I will say the most important thing when I'm traveling is that I have that feeling of flexibility that I can prepare some of my own meals. So if we can, like if we're going somewhere for at least a week, an extended period of time, we try to find a place that has a kitchenette. So either like an Airbnb or an extended stay or a suite hotel that has a little kitchenette with a fridge and a microwave so that we can at least make our own breakfast. And usually if I can, I do breakfast and lunch that we make ourselves. And that way we just have to find one meal a day out. And it doesn't have to be complicated because even if I don't have a kitchenette, I try to pack rolled oats with me because you can make that almost anywhere. Even in a hotel room that only has like a coffee pot, you can do rolled oats. And even if they don't have that, you can do overnight oats. Just take it with you and find a plant-based milk, juice or water, put a banana in there. It's, it's, you know, you find a Starbucks and find a banana. So it's really something that oats go well anywhere. If you're staying at a hotel that has free breakfast, almost always, almost 100% of the time, one of the options in the free breakfast is oatmeal and fruit. And so that's pretty simple. My youngest one likes to do like whole wheat bread with peanut butter. That's his go-to whenever we're at free breakfast at hotels. Another thing that I like to travel with is a refillable water bottle because first of all, we don't want to be spending money on water over and over again, but staying hydrated, hydrated is also a key to feeling good on vacation and after vacation is making sure you're drinking water and also make sure that you uh, don't confuse thirst with hunger because especially when you're on the plane and you're walking around a lot, you can get dehydrated. So it's important to stay hydrated. And then because I have two boys and one of them is a teenager, so I have a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old, we do travel with some travel-friendly snacks. This can be a little bit tricky if you are traveling by air because of the security restrictions. So you can't take any liquidy gel-type things. Um, one of the things that we like to take if we're doing car trips is the squeezable apple sauces and fruit and all of those kinds of things. But depending on where you're traveling to, or if you're doing international travel, that might be a little bit more difficult, but things like some very, um, more whole foods based granola bars, kind bars, roasted garbanzo beans, those kinds of things, those travel really well and they're easy to use, uh, put it, throw in the backpack. You don't have to worry about them getting squished with little, little kids and little boys. So I think that those would be, if we talk about three items, it'd be rolled oats, that's easy to pack, that can go anywhere, water, refillable water bottles, and 
a plant-based or whole food-based, plant-based um, snack that you can throw in a backpack. But then other tips would be to think about ways that you can prepare more of your food on vacation so that you can keep your digestive system in line, avoid the extra salt, all the extra oil at restaurants. You're not just eating at restaurants all the time, at least for breakfast and lunch. So find some place that has a kitchenette. You can easily find a grocery store close by. Some places even have grocery store delivery that you can have them deliver your groceries and then you're ready to go for your whole for your whole vacation. It actually saves money, it saves you time. It makes things like way less complicated. So those are the things that I do. Listeners, if you guys have other ideas, let me know. Or if you have other questions, please call into the line and leave a voicemail, 509-972-6582. Again, that's 509-972-6582. Or you can email me at veggiedoctor at veggiefitkids.com. Thank you all for listening, and I hope that you have a plantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at VeggieFitKids on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or you can email me at VeggieDoctor at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast, and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again, and have a plantastic day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.